0: Hello, everybody. A happy Sunday, if you're hearing this on Sunday. And uh, I hope you are doing well on our first day of Hanukkah. So actually, this uh, Sunday choice, I mean, the choice of doing it every Sunday turned out to be pretty remarkable because we had a lot of eclipses falling on Sunday, a lot of transitions happening on Sunday. And this um, year we have Hanukkah starting on Sunday, and for those of you in America or, sorry, California and Canada, sorry, uh, United States and Canada, you're celebrating Thanksgiving uh, weekend. And I thought about it uh, just a few days ago, how we all connect to the zodiac wheel or to the zodiac, let's say, real estate in a very instinctual way. It doesn't matter what culture you are and where you are. Because it seems like a lot of our ancestors realized that around this period of time in the Northern Hemisphere, as the night gets longer and the day gets shorter, that uh, we get a little grumpy, we get a little uh, more emotional in a sense, and we need some kind of help. And that help, we talked about it last week, comes in the shape of holidays of light. So even Thanksgiving, I never put, I never kind of classified Thanksgiving until this year with the rest of the holidays of light, like Christmas and Yule and Hanukkah. I don't know why, but this year, maybe because I'm actually here, usually I travel around this time, um, I've noticed that it is Thanksgiving, at least, a part of this transition or this tradition of um, the respect for light because there is no light, you know? We talked here about how I my theory about Yom Kippur, uh, the day when all the Jews stay at home and don't eat nothing, uh, is is the day without Jews. You know, like the movie the the day without uh, women or the day without Mexicans. Uh, the day without the Jews is Yom Kippur, so people can appreciate the contribution of Jews uh, in their own city or their own country. So the same thing goes with uh, the idea behind. Thanking or receiving and giving, which is basic the basis of Kabbalah, as you know, Kabbalah in Hebrew means to receive uh, how can I receive in order to give and the idea behind thanksgiving is receiving and giving now you know the traditional story behind Thanksgiving of the Native Americans coming to the old to the settlers and giving them turkeys and so forth uh, that might be a little bit more of a you know, fantasy, but the idea of giving and receiving and connection between different cultures is very much Sagittarian in nature, because Sagittarius is all about uh, foreign cultures, foreign traditions, traveling, optimism, light. It's a mutable light, mutable fire sign. So the whole idea in Sagittarius is A, to be very flexible and to be flexible, that's mutable, with your fire. Fire is the teaching. You remember last year, last week, we talked about Prometheus, who has stolen the, the light from Zeus, Jupiter. Zeus is the ruler of Sagittarius. So Prometheus is the higher octave, you can say, of uh, Sagittarian qualities. It's the teacher. It's the one that is willing to suffer, to convey information. And maybe that's why I instinctively chose uh, the shirt of Bruce Lee, uh, Bruce Lee was a Sagittarius, and more than anything, he was a muadib. We're going to talk about it a little bit today, uh, some terminology from Dune. If you saw the movie or read the book by Frank Herbert, muadib is the teacher or the tutor. So we are talking about a period of time right now for the next three weeks or so that we are under the influence of the mutable fire sign of Sagittarius. Our job is to teach and to learn to teach what you learn, to learn what you teach. This is all about Sagittarius right now. And this is especially needed because in the Northern Hemisphere, again, we are in our darkest time leading up to uh, to December 22nd, the solstice. And from that day on, which is the longest night, we're going to start having the day grow again until they get equal on the uh, spring equinox that begins Aries, begin the new year. So right now we are entering into the last third year of the, or the last third part. The fourth part, sorry, of the astrological year. And during Sagittarius, during this darkest time of the zodiac, we need much more help. And we need that help to come to us from stories, because that's where we really get help. And the stories of giving and receiving connection between different cultures is very much prominent in uh, Sagittarius. So the the idea of Thanksgiving coming all together, offering some or or giving some gratitude is very much um, about Sagittarius. And it's a very Kabbalistic holiday in a sense, because... The whole idea in Kabbalah is the equality or the connection between giving and receiving. I think we mentioned it a few times here in my Kabbalah class. I talk about it a lot. That really giving and receiving, even though they seem to be opposite, they really are the same. Because when you are giving something for real the person you're giving to receives it in such a way that they give you their thanks and you become the receiver and they become the giver. And that is something that we're going to all practice in Hanukkah, which is a very traditional holiday of giving, receiving uh, gifts. And of course, Christmas, where you place your gifts under the tree, uh, the tree of life, the body tree, the Yigdrasil. And you have to learn what kind of gifts to give so now we're getting into the you know the 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 black friday and the um Cyber Monday, now we're in between those, and it became a week, it became a month of cyber, it became a year of cyber in a sense, it's growing all the time, soon it will be a decade of some. But the idea is that you have to choose, not according to the sales that you see popping up in the banners uh, or the ads, but really think about or feel even more, what does the person really need? I mean, this is the period in, the, in, in our life now or in the year, Yes. It doesn't matter if you're Jewish, Christian, Muslim, you know, I go to uh, Turkey, usually I spend Christmas in Turkey uh, for some reason, maybe it's a past life, because, you know, as you know, the land today today's Turkey was the cradle of Christianity, um, even uh, uh, the original Santa Claus is from Turkey, so maybe that's why I'm, my soul is going there even though today it's a muslim uh, country but even there you see a lot of giving and receiving and the malls of course are full of sales uh, for people to buy and and you know give each other gifts so the idea is that when you are now trying to plan what you are gifting people around you or your family It is really important to think not what you need to give them, but more what do they need in their life. So you can make a list right before Christmas uh, of all the members that you plan to buy anything to or to gift anything. And then right next to their name, first of all, if you can find what is the meaning of their name, it will be an interesting exercise for you. And then try to see what is it that they really need in general you know maybe they need love okay you know you're the father you're not going to give them love in that sense but what bes- what do they need from you in order to get that love so what you do is you put that person's name you put next to it what the meaning of their name is, just like a line or so, so. It kind of like focuses you onto their story in this lifetime. And then, what do they need in general in life right now? Whether it's a new job, whether it's uh, education, whether it's calmness, whether it's serenity, whether it's a uh, distressing, whether it is uh, time alone, whatever it is. And then, what do they need from you that you that can facilitate what they need in general that might be connected to their name? So. Really think about that way, or you can even th- put yourself in the shoes of the person you wanna gift and ask yourself, what would they, what do you think their new re- New Year resolution should be about, and then try to already. Push them towards that direction, whether it's a book, whether it's a gift, whether it's a gesture, whether it's a, you know, therapy or treatment with somebody. So really try now to figure out how to work with this giving and receiving. So when you are giving something to someone, you will actually receive their thank because it's precisely what they need that allows you not only to get good karma by giving the right thing, but also by making this Engine of creation, this giving and receiving mechanism, move and facilitate this holiday of light. Because basically, what we're all trying to exchange is light. That is the ultimate currency uh, in the here and now, you know, light. So again, holidays of light. So Thanksgiving is very much a teacher of as above, so below, as within, so without, as I give, so I receive, that idea that dualities are basically, or opposition are basically the mirror image for each other, just inverted. So that's Thanksgiving. Hanukkah is very much a holiday of light. It's usually celebrated, it's um, lunar, of course, it's the 25th day of Kislev, so it's always a lunar idea. It's the 25th day of... Of f- since the last new moon, in a sense, that's why our next new moon is going to be in about five days, right? Because we're going to, uh, a day, a month is 30, 28 to 30 days. So if we know that now Hanukkah, today's Hanukkah, the first light is 25th after the new moon, we know that the new moon is coming any minute now, and it is coming on the third, fourth of December, which is going to be a solar eclipse. We're going to talk about it quite a lot. So, the idea behind Hanukkah, uh, which in Hebrew means uh, dedication or inauguration, but it also has the same root as education, which again is really interesting because we said Sagittarius, the Muadib, Bruce Lee is all about teaching. So you see that even in the holidays uh, name, you have the concept of educate, educate yourself, educate your kids. And it's not only about the story about the Hashmonaim or the Maccabim conquering or dedicating the Jerusalem temple, because we don't really know what happened there. The stories are very mixed uh, and there is a lot of um, inaccuracies about it. But it doesn't matter because this is a myth. This is a story that is much more powerful than what really happened you can say even that what really happened is the mythological interpretation of the myth that is really happening, you know? So, the whole idea is, or the backstory is, that the temple was retaken from the uh, Hellenistic uh, Empire. At that time, it was, the center was in Syria. Don't forget, it was Alexander the Great, 313. He dies. In 312, the empire is split between uh, his generals or the people that were around him. And first, Jerusalem belonged to where Egypt is today. Then it was conquered from Syria, blah, blah, blah. And the whole idea is that there was a problem there. Uh, Jerusalem was... Uh, uh, getting into conflict between those that wanted to follow more the Hellenistic path and those that wanted to be more zealous and more connected to the tradition. Like everything, it's, it's the same story in Jerusalem these days. But anyway, eventually they managed to recapture the, the um, temple. And the thing is that there is this menorah there. The menorah is, Oh, wait, wait a second. Sorry, I had to go bring the... So this is, not this one precisely, but this is a replica of the one that they had in the temple. You see that it has uh, seven, like the seven chakras, right? Or the seven layers of the, or the same level of the tree of life, uh, or the seven chakras. But um, it's like a person lying down. This is, of course, going to be the heart chakra, the center. And that's the center of fire, the anahata. Anyway, this was in the temple um, until the Roman took it, you know, to Rome. But that's the end of uh, Jerusalem. That was later. But that light needs oil, of course. And they found only one little pack of uh, or like candle of, of oil that was sealed by the high priest. So it was supposed to be holy, but it only was supposed to last for one day. And miraculously, it lasted for eight days. That's why we celebrate Hanukkah for eight days. But that's the story, which is probably not necessarily, ain't necessarily true, like the gospel says. What it really... the idea behind it is that right now it's super dark, dark inside, dark outside. That's why we have winter blues. And we talked about it. Blue is the color of Sagittarius. So we are dealing with the winter blues. And, you know, yesterday I was talking to somebody and in the class of uh, the colors, we talked about it quite a lot that, you know, that there is this more than theory. I mean, we actually established it in the last 200 years. They noticed it, that if a tribe or if a, a certain people have Two, co- two names for two colors, two words, or two colors in their vocabulary. And yes, there is a lot of tribes, for example, in Papua New Guinea that are isolated from uh, other, uh, uh, other parts of civilization, that in their language, they didn't find it necessary to have more than two words to describe colors. And of course, it's black and white. So what they noticed is that if a society has only two names for colors, it will always be black and white. Oh, the skies are black. Or, oh... Um, this is white, of course, and um, and this is black. Don't you see? It's black, black, black. So they have only white and black. But they notice that if a language develops another color, it's always red, which is fascinating. It's black, white, then red, which is of course the blood. And of course, later on, you have you add the numbers slowly because the last number that we always sorry the last um, color that we always add in a language is blue. Which is interesting because if you read the uh, Homer, uh, the Iliad, the Odyssey, no mention of blue. There's only, um, for example, the ocean is described as red wine. Um, There is no blue. And then they looked in the Bible. There is no blue. They looked in the Quran. There is no blue. So it's not that we couldn't see blue. Of course they could see blue. But they didn't have the name for blue. It's almost as if it wasn't necessary. And I thought about it yesterday of how... Interesting it is because there's blue skies, there's blue uh, oceans, and in fact, if you zoom out of the planet, it's a blue planet. So it's interesting that it takes us always the last in our evolution, sorry, in our evolution to disc- to, to find out who we really are. It's almost as if we negated the earth's color. We negated our own colors, our own frequency until the end. And it's not that we didn't know about it. It's not like we developed the um, uh, neurons or the, in the retina to be able to see the color. It's the same way that maybe um, a kid that doesn't know maybe the vocabulary for orange will call a lot of orange, yellow, or red, if that makes sense. So we had to develop that idea, develop that concept. And the same thing, it's almost like blue Sagittarius is the last thing we develop in our frequencies, in a sense. And that is the sign of truth, which is kind of worrisome, that our last frequency for us to discover is the truth and wisdom. That's all Sagittarian. So it's kind of a reminder of us to reconnect to our blueness uh, right now. So anyway, this Hanukkah idea is that we are helping God, we are helping the universe. It's kind of a tikkun, a rectification. What does it mean? It means that right now there is hardly any light. So let us light the candle one, the, the, the Hanukkiah or the candle bra, one light after the other. We're participating in a, in a ritual, and the ritual is to add light in our darkest time, to add hope, to add Optimism, which is precisely what Sagittarius is. And that is usually celebrated in Sagittarius. And of course, the other holiday is Yule, where the bonfires are erected in the top of the mountains, again, to summon the light or to encourage light or to show us light. And of course, as we get closer to Christmas, you already see it most of Europe and North America, and basically around the world, even like I told you, in Turkey, which is a Muslim country, even in Israel, which is a Jewish country, it's you see it happening right now that participation in that global northern hemisphere attempt to bring more light because it is so dark it's so scary and it usually happens around this time end of sagittarius beginning of capricorn that we have to deal with our fears because as we get closer to capricorn the 21st 22nd of um december we are approaching the period that as humanity, we had the hardest time to survive. That's why Capricorn represents the fear of survival, the need to be frugal, the need to be very attentive to how much we have. And that's why the key word of Capricorn, I use, and how much you can use and how much you should use in order to make it to spring when life returns. So that's probably why Christmas is celebrated around the solstice, which is, again, a holiday of light. But it's also interesting that it we took 1950s uh, for Dr. Seuss to come up with that idea of the Christmas Grinch, the one that wants to steal Christmas, because that idea is very, very old. It's not that Obama uh, deleted um, uh, Christmas. Remember that whole Fox News uh, thing that later Trump uh, kind of wrote that uh, tr- people are trying to steal Christmas from him? Uh, Dr. Seuss thought about it before, but he really put on a, an image to something, mythologically speaking, that was going on for a long, long time, which is the idea of the demons or the fear that is really strong around solstice. That's the longest night in the North, northern hemisphere. So what we did to battle these uh, uh, Christmas gringes, we tried to steal our hope. Basically, that's what Sagittarius' message is hope. Then comes Capricorn in the tarot card ruled by the devil and trying to snatch our hope is the concept of that darkness that we feel inside and outside. So again, if you're feeling sad right now, it totally makes sense. Even psychologists, we talked about it, have a terminology for it, seasonal affective disorder, which is sad. And the only thing that really works with it is not medication, but exposure to light. So you just need to spend more time around light. They say even that blue light is the best. Of course, it's Sagittarius. So, what I wanted to talk about today is uh, all of that. And let me see if I can uh, uh, share with you. Um, yeah. So, what is that? We talked about that. Yeah. By the way, people think and complain why it's so oily, uh, the food in um, Hanukkah. First of all, because it's crunchy and it tastes good for everybody. No even if you don't have an air fryer, you basically uh, deep fry. And the reason why there is so much deep frying in Hanukkah is because it's supposed to remember, you're supposed to remember the oil, the concept of that oil that lasted so long, eight days instead of one day. So that's why you have the latkes and you have the donuts and all that fried things uh, to kind of remind you of that. So when you have fingers full of oil and your stomach is full of oil and your blood is full of oil, you kind of participate with the ritual of the holiday, in a sense. And Sagittarius is a mutable sign. So it's really interesting that it's not Leo. Leo is a fixed sign. So Leo is the menorah or uh, this little thingy that when it's constantly Light, you know, that's the fire that is everlasting, the fire, the everlasting flame. That's Leo. Sagittarius is the one that takes the flame from one place to the other, and that's why it's a mutable sign. So, um, yeah, this is the Hanukkiah is a little bit different. The candelabra, uh, candelabra, uh, candelabra the, of, of Hanukkah is a little bit different. It doesn't have seven, like I told you with the menorah. It has nine so it has four four and one sticking out it's a little bit bigger and it's called the shamash shamash is the attendant if you go to a, a synagogue these days which is sometimes awfully annoying and uh you know the shamash comes on and they try to uh, a and, and shamash is basically the one that opens it first he's the one that opens the synagogue first he's the one that cleans it up i even served as one uh, when i was a teenager for a while uh, and so you're the one that initiates the, the, the uh, synagogue, initiates the ritual in a way. But if you look at what it really means, the name, it is really fascinating. And I'm gonna take you on a little trip now to understand what is that candle that's sticking out in the uh, candelabra of uh, Hanukkah. You have four on each side and they seem to be kind of uh civil and the same size and orderly, and suddenly in the middle, usually, there is the shamash. And you're wondering, why is the shamash, the attendant, They're almost like the uh, janitor in a sense, why is he the strongest and the most important? And the name is really, really significant. So in Hebrew, modern-day Hebrew, it is the attendant, but it's really going back way older because shamash or shams, uh, it's the same root, basically, is the son, If today I want to say, uh, oh, it's sunny, uh, the sun is out, I will say the Shemesh. The Shemesh, Shemesh is sun in Hebrew. In Arabic, it's very, very similar. It's basically Semitic languages. And in Babylon, Shamash or Shams uh, or Shamash was the god of the sun. The same way that the sun rises to the synagogue of the world and lights it up and opens the door for us to be able to do business. The same thing is going on with uh, the idea behind the god of the sun, his twin sister was Inanna, the goddess of, or the goddess of the sky, basically. So very similar to the idea of Apollo and his twin sister Artemis, who was the goddess of the moon. So when we are lighting up the Hanukkiah or the uh, uh, candelabra of Hanukkah, first we start with the shamash because that's the sun. And it reminds us of the heart energy because in the tree of life, the heart is associated with the sun. We'll talk about it very much uh, tomorrow, actually, in the class on 2022, because we'll see that 2022 is very much a heart year. And not a hard year, maybe it will be hard, but it's a heart year. It's connected to the Anahata, to the um, Tiferet in the tree of life, to the sun. So the Shemesh. So that's why in Uh, The time of Sagittarius, mutable fire sign. The first thing we do, respect the sun. And we light, first of all, the sun. And then the candle of the sun, the shamash, could light all the rest of the candles until we get to eight. Eight, of course, is the symbol of infinity. So once you get to eight, you don't have to continue because you're like saying, I now initiated the chain reaction of um, pushing things forward With light, with the sun. So that's why we light it up like that. And also, it's interesting because um, if you know from the stories of Rumi and his poetries, there was a story, you know, that uh, Rumi was in, uh, he was actually born in Afghanistan. He grew most of his time in um, uh, Persia, Iran, and then he traveled to uh, Turkey and settled in Konya, where he officially eventually died during Sagittarius. So he died on November, uh, December 17, which, of course, is Sagittarius. And he was a teacher. And when he died, he asked people to celebrate his day of death as his anniversary. What anniversary? The wedding anniversary of him and God. And that's why he always talked about his beloved. But of course, as you know, Shams was a very prominent character in his uh, life in next to his own tomb. There is the Shams tomb. And that tomb is now, I think being uh, nominated for UNESCO world heritage site. It's a, it's a really incredible place there. I really recommend going there. So anyway, Uh, It's interesting because there is the story of their meeting, and it's, of course, all stories, that uh, Rumi was sitting down reading a book or something, and then Shams, that looked almost like um, an uneducated person, passed by and said, Hey, what are you doing? Uh, He asked Rumi. And Rumi just replied, Oh, something you don't understand anything about. Maybe he was not having a good day, Rumi. And then suddenly, at that moment, the books that Rumi was reading... It started going on fire, becoming flames in a sense. And uh, Rumi looked at Shams and asked, "What, what just happened? And Shams replied the same word, something you do not understand. And it's really interesting because that was the meeting of Rumi, which is form, And Shams, which is emptiness or essence. It's like the grail and the holy water. Uh, You see it in Buddhism. as form is emptiness. Emptiness is form from the Heart Sutra. So it's always this period of time of Sagittarius, which is a double sign, the connection of the above and the below, because a Sagittarius symbol is the horse and the human, you know, beasts and divine. That's what's happening to us during Sagittarius. We are encountering our, let's say, Eid and our higher self. Our ego is kind of torn between the two, in a sense. We are identifying our divine part in during Sagittarius. No wonder there's so many holidays around that time, but we also are understanding our fears and what ground us and what makes us still come back again and again and again and reincarnate because fears is what actually makes us come back here. Once we overcome our fear, there is no need for us to reincarnate unless you're a bodhisattva, somebody that can attain enlightenment and choose to come back in order to teach other people, again, to be a muadib, to be a teacher, that's very Sagittarius, to other people that are stuck here and didn't get to your level. So that's uh, the idea. And of course, this character that ignited or that uh, inspired Rumi, the great poet from the 12th century, is the idea, uh, and his name was Shams. So again, it is the root of Shin Mem Shin in Hebrew, which this is, by the way, the God. He looks like that, I guess. Um, That's the God Shams or Shemesh or Shamesh or Shamash. And it's interesting because in Hebrew, it's only three words, uh, three letters, Shin, Mem, Shin. You can hear it, Shamash. You can hear the sound. Now, Shin in Kabbalah is a fire. And the symbol of fire is a triangle pointing upward. Mem in Hebrew, which is the middle sound, is actually water and it's a triangle pointing downward so if you want to write shamsh or shemish or shamash or the sun in a alchemical symbol it will be triangle pointing up next to a triangle pointing down next to a triangle pointing upward which is really a beautiful way of putting Uh, Up and down. Yes. In um, Arabic, somebody was just telling me on Instagram, it's definitely the same because it's Semitic languages. They all come from the same root. And again, Babylonian or Akkadian is also a Semitic language. It's basically based on a God called Utu, but Utu is Sumerian. The Sumerian were not Semitic. Even though some people think they were, they were not Semitic. We don't even know what they were. And it was worshipped through 3,500 BCE. We're talking about 5,500 years ago, which is about the time the wheel was invented. So we started worshipping the God of the sun, the one that travels around the sky at the same time that we realized that there is such a thing like a wheel and we can actually use it. So again, all of those things somehow relate to Sagittarius, to the truth, the whole truth. And that's why I wanted to talk a little bit about Dune, Frank Herbert. I highly recommend reading the book. The book really inspired uh, many, many people. And of course, there was something really interesting that I discovered while I was preparing this thing for you guys. Because again, teaching is learning, learning is teaching. So for me to do these PowerPoints or to prepare for today... Uh, For the Sundays, I am preparing in order to teach, but I really learn a lot. And what I've learned uh, by doing some charts around is that uh, we have this thing we talked here about a lot because it's something that I started paying attention to more and more and more. Uh, Remember, we did this segment here a while ago about um, uh, Halston and how uh, the Saturn return continued after his death. Remember, the book was published, the Saturn return after he died. Saturn returned after the book was published in Netflix. Uh, um, a mini came after him. And I noticed the same thing happened also with uh, West Side Story. We'll talk about it tomorrow in the class on... No, actually, I talked about it already in the class of Sagittarius, right? Yeah. Um, but the same thing is happening with a lot of uh, uh, artistic endeavors. Because again, these are Saturn returns. Saturn Return, I think that next week I prepared for you a few videos that I uh, collected from some TV shows that uh, really explain this Saturn Return in a very good way through the characters. So anyway, it was first published a book in 1965 when the North Node was in Gemini. Remember, the North Node is what we need to learn. And it was in Gemini, communication, writing, putting things together. South Node was in Sagittarius. That's why we had the last year and a half, same thing. That's why the South Node was in Sagittarius. It was harder for us to connect to the truth in the last year and a half, but this should be done in December 23. So from December 23, hopefully the fall of the liars and the rise of the truthsayers. But anyway, it was first published in 1965 when the North Node was in Gemini, the sign of writing and communication. Then David Lynch adaptation was released in 1984. And guess what? I did the chart for the movie's release. The North Node was in Gemini. It's precisely one cycle after. It takes 19 years approximately for the dragon to come back to the place it was before. So if you really want to understand, again, your karmic lessons right now, you have to go back 19 years ago and then again 38 years ago because every 19 years you will find yourself learning the same lessons. But of course, it's like a spiral. You're back to the same place, but you're higher. And then you go higher, hopefully higher and not lower, you know. Then the la- latest adaptation in 2021 also happened during the Mercury during the North Node in Gemini, so it's really already three times. Three is a pattern where you see that a certain message that came to um, Frank Herbert long time ago was replicated or readapted and every time told again. So we can expect even something with Dune happening in 19 years. But again, all of this is just to affirm and to have you go back in your life and see what happened to you 19 years ago, 38 years ago, and really start paying attention to it because the North Node is really interesting. And this year, especially 2022, we're shifting the energies, but that we'll talk about in the future. So I wanted to talk about some terminology from the book uh, and also, of course, from the movie, because most of the uh, exotic words there are either in Hebrew or in Arabic. Of course, Arabic and Hebrew are sister language. I wish Arabs and Israelis could figure it out, uh, how to return to that siblinghood. But sometimes the closer you are, the more difficult it is because the more of a mirror you are to each other. But there are some Kabbalistic terms uh, as well in uh, the movie. The first one is the most obvious one, which is very hard to pronounce a lot of time. Kvitzat It's I remember when I heard it the first time, I was laughing a lot because I read the book originally when I was a teenager in Hebrew, of course, the Hebrew translation. And in the Hebrew translation, it's basically written like Hebrew, kvitzat Hadarach, because the word is actually Hebrew. And the word mean, kvitzat means the jump or a leap or um, a shortening, in a sense. Haderech means the way. Dao, you can say. The, the word dao means the way. And he talks about, for example, Torah is the way, the teaching. So kvitzat haderach, uh, the way they say it there, is basically kvitzat haderech, which basically means the shortening of the way, or a jump. A leap of faith or a jump beyond space and time. And in Talmud, and a lot of the Jewish uh, folklore, especially with Baal Hashem Tov, the, the father of Hasidic movement, um, he talks a lot about that idea of teleportation. He used to get his um, students on one of those uh a chariots or one of these carriages, and he used to get them into this monotonous feeling of like, you know how you sometimes fall asleep when you're on a train, or some people who are fortunate enough, the minute the airplane goes up, they fall asleep. Uh, that's precisely that idea. So he used to get them on the chariot. Remember, we talked about the chariot as associated with meditation, getting them into this monotonous place and jup, making them quitsatadarak, making them jump into another space. But it's not only about covering space really fast like a time warp it's more about bringing the one into the here and now it's kind of it's it's an interesting concept it's basically like a string theory it's basically taking every all the mortal coil out of the way it's the ability to bring oneness which is basically a miracle into the here and now it's the the uh the faculty of being able to tap into oneness for a second, and then you can do whatever you want, but you can't hold it for a long time. And the Kuzat in at least in the Dune aspect, is basically talking about the Messiah, somebody that can come and transform the desert, uh, uh, desert planet into a, a rainy um, a rainforest. You know, but the idea of Messiah is also coming from. Uh, the Jewish thought, because the concept of Messiah did not appear before the Bible and before the craving for somebody to come and save us because it really sucks here, so even if before there were oppressed people, they were not necessarily looking for a messiah, a divine character that will come down that 's the quisadaarak, basically a piece of the oneness coming down by the way, that is the idea behind. Jesus, Jesus was supposed to be Kvitzat Hadarach, you know, somebody that creates a leap in our consciousness, somebody that can jump, help us jump the way. And that's the whole idea behind the second coming of Jesus, because when he comes back the second time, that will be the end of time. Things will quicken, the fight between the darkness and light, blah, blah, blah. But that idea of Kvitzat Hadarach is the concept behind Messiah. And as you know, Messiah, the word Messiah comes from, oil, to be anointed. That's why we have the word in English, in Spanish, in Latin, basically, a massage. When you are taking a massage and you're having a massage, your masseuse is supposed to use oil. If they're not using oil, it's not a massage. It could be something else. It could be a rub. I don't know. So if you're going to a masseuse and they're not using oil, they're not anointing you. You are not participating in the concept of the Messiah. So Messiah coming from anointed one. Don't remember Samuel, the prophet slash wizard had to put oil on David or on Saul to make them kings. So the king of kings, the Messiah is somebody who is anointed. Christ, by the way, is the Greek word for Christus for the anointed one. So just that you know, when you're taking a massage and they're all you up, you are participating in the concept of Quetzal and the Messiah. Another term is the Bnei Gesheret. The Bnei Gesheret uh, could be translated as the children of the narrow path or the children of the bridge. Uh, Gesher in Hebrew means bridge. Bnei means the children of or the sons of. So Bnei Gesheret is usually represented because Gesheret is like the smaller, the narrow path, the narrow edge, uh, the narrow, narrow road in a way. For example, the very famous uh, Al Jazeera from Qatar is um, the peninsula. Okay? Why? Because it is kind of a, a bridge of land that sticks into the, uh, into the ocean. So the Jazira, Gesher, it's the same idea of, that's in Arabic, a a bridge, a bridge into the um, sea, a bridge between land and sea. Muadib is, like we mentioned before, a teacher, a private tutor. And so you can see a lot of these magical terminologies, again, associated with the idea behind Sagittarius. Muad'Dib is the teacher, the, uh, the teacher that helps us make that leap of faith, that jump into the unknown. And also it's interesting because as some of you know about the Rabbi of Breslovs he was the great-grandson of Balashemtov that I just mentioned he was somebody that managed to put esoteric secret Judaism the Kabbalah with the Torah scholarship because Balashemtov did not really uh, work too much with the Bible he was almost like a shaman in a sense he brought music and dance to Judaism and really elevated Kabbalah to the next level but his great-grandson realized that he needs to also st- connect Kabbalah much more to the Bible. Otherwise, he will have trouble with the rest of the Jews and they'll burn his books and so forth. It's interesting that on his Saturn return, he went to visit Israel and he actually visited, I learned, Haifa, where I was born, Tiberius and uh, Tzfat. And at the age of 30, in his Saturn return, he moved to Breslobs and he died very young at the age of 38. They say because he revealed too many secrets, but it's probably another reason. And his way was to search or to try to teach people to be saintly it's kind of interesting he wanted everybody to be a muadib he wanted everybody to experience this leap of faith and one of the most important thing he left us with is this song that is very popular in uh, in judaism in his in hebrew you you know you might have heard it before and the translation is what he says is the whole entire world your existence here is a very narrow bridge You see, Bnei Gesheret, the Al-Jazeera, is the the Gesher. And the main thing to recall is to have no fear at all. Again, you see this coming again and again and again in this period of time of be careful of fear. Fear is coming. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And of course, this leads us to the litany against uh, fear. Let me make sure that I am sharing it with uh, a better sound for you guys. Um, this is my favorite, um, you can say, a part of the movie is the litany against fear. And the interesting thing is that in 2020, if you remember in the book, 2020, one of the chapters starts with a quote from Dune, the litany against fear, because when I was writing 2020 book in 2019, I realized that 2020 is going to be a year full of fears. Uh, we talked about it, uh, that it's similar to I, I wrote about how it's similar to 1982, 83, when the AIDS pandemic came and the recession was happening. And I told you also that the symbol for 2020, because it's related to four, is a square. And In order to avoid the squareness of the square, we can tilt the square 90 degrees and make it a diamond. And then I was watching the movie Dune that was actually, it was supposed to be released in 2020 originally. Um, and you remember that scene when they're in the air in the airplane, the Muadib and his uh, Paul and his mother, and suddenly they see the symbol of the diamond that was supposed to help them realize that um, one of their betrayal that was actually a friend. Never mind, it left them something there that can really help them overcome that. And then I was thinking, oh my god, it's the litany of fear and the diamond there. So sometimes symbols work with us uh, that way. And this is the litany of fear. Highly recommended to pay attention to in your life. I hope you can hear it. I guess we can't hear it. Never mind. The Litany of Fear, I will read it for you anyway, is I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it is gone, past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where the fear is gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. This is really totally Kabbalistic Sufism, everything that you can think about in connection to mysticism. First of all, you're repeating this again and again. It's like a mantra. And you say, I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Obviously, it destroys our thought. Fear is the little death that brings total uh, obliteration. Now, all of this is based, some people believe, on William Shakespeare, Julius Caesar's monologue, or one of his conversations. And he says in the, uh, Julius Caesar says in um, William Shakespeare's Julius Caesar, a coward dies a thousand times before his death, but the, vali- but the valiant taste of death but once. It seems to me most strange that men should fear, seeing that death, a necessary end, will come when it will come. So again, what is the worst thing that can happen? You're gonna die. Okay, you're gonna die anyway. Why be afraid of something you have no control over? So he took Frank Herbert took basically this little mantra of being de- of fear being a little death, and put it in the context of um, a Sagittarian lesson. And if we talk about if we talk about fear and fear coming up at us right now, of course we have to ta- talk about the new variant. Um, And um, let's talk a little bit about the name, because the name originally was B.1.1529, which sounds too, you know, official. What are you having now? Well, I'm really afraid of B.1.1.52. It's too much. So they changed the name to Omicron. Uh, Omicron. Uh, Now, that's a really interesting choice, because remember... I talked about it, actually, in some of you got already the book of uh, 2022, A Sacrifice of Love. And I talk a little bit about the square that is happening in 2021 and 2022. So let me explain. We talked about it here quite a lot that we have a square, square means clash between planets that is not very easy and not very auspicious. And this time it's between Saturn and Uranus. Both of them are rulers of Aquarius where we have now Saturn and Jupiter and we're entering the age of Aquarius. So it's super important. So Saturn and Uranus are squaring. When they square, it causes a lot of battles, a lot of issues. Saturn is the ruler, of course, of Capricorn, which we mentioned is fear. Uranus is the ruler of Aquarius, which represents freedom. And that's why we have now clashes that are happening even between vaccinated to unvaccinated and so forth. So the first one was happening January February the second, 2021. The second was happening around June, where uh, I wrote in the book that that's where the Delta was discovered and was very prominent in our life. And in the book of 2021, which I wrote in, I wrote in, um, sorry, the book of 2022, which I wrote in August 2021, I said that listen, we still have to deal with December 24 square. And it's probably another aggressive uh, variant. And that I, I say that I pray to Zeus that at the end of the pandemic, we wouldn't be able to recite the Greek alphabet from alpha to omega due to all the variants. So I suspected that there will be another variant. And indeed, we're having now not omega, but a omicron. And omicron basically means O, O, the shape O, and micro, micro, small, right? Small, tiny. So it's the tiny O compared to the omega, which is the mega O, okay? So what is happening right now is that we are having a new variant, and the problem with that name of the variant is that uh, Omicron is the 15th letter, in the Greek uh, alphabet, which is precisely based on the Phoenician alphabet that also gave birth to the Hebrew alphabet. And as you know, according to Kabbalah, God created the universe with the alphabet. So every letter has a meaning and has a myth and has a story. It happens to be that Omicron is associated with Ein. Ain in Hebrew means the eye, the all-seeing eye. Uh, and you can see the shape of the letter that originated from Phoenician is similar to the one in Hebrew. It looks like Supposed to look like an eye, a tiny eye, but an eye nevertheless. And it's really interesting that the tarot card that is associated with Ayn in the, uh, and because of its association with Capricorn, is the devil. And what is the devil? We talked about it is the collective fear. That's the sign that is coming up from December 22nd. So we're now dealing with a variant that we're very, very, very afraid of that is gonna kick in very strongly around the time of uh, Capricorn and create a lot of stagnation. Because Capricorn basically a lot of time talks about keeping things as they are. So uh, it's the 15th letter of the Greek alphabet. And as you can see, the 15th card in the tarot is the devil. So it's kind of an interesting uh, coincidence. It's an interesting connection. Uh, also, what is happening this week is in December 3rd and 4th, we have the uh, new moon solar eclipse in Sagittarius. And the problem with solar eclipse, it man- it magnifies everything that's happening. So it's going to push whatever is happening right now to the next level. Now, okay, if people are talking about lockdowns, it's going to push that. If people are going to rebel against lockdown, that's going to push that. If there is a variant coming in, it's going to push that. So there is this, energy right now that whatever we're going through it just like gets a turbo a blast to it so we have to really be careful of our fears that i think is the biggest message of this um variant but you know people ask me what to do I- i'm still going to sofia in uh what in a week or so Um, you know, and then to Turkey and then to um, uh, Greece and then to Israel and then to London, if they let me in, you know, if the, the vermit permitting, variant permitting, I will be there. But this will be a pretty intense period of time right now, especially the next two, three months. That's usually three months is usually how long, three, four months, these eclipses last. And remember, the eclipse that was happening two weeks ago When this variant probably started moving around, because we think that the first person was around 9 of uh, November. 9 of November was a Scorpio. Remember, a week after was the um, solar, the, the lunar eclipse, which was the longest lunar eclipse in the last 500 years and the next 500 years. So, something's happening. So that's definitely one of those um, squares that we were dreading. The issue is that these squares are not officially on in 2022, because mathematically, the square is not going to happen. But around September, October, it's going to come one third degree away from a perfect square. So come on, we're going to still have it next year, probably around September, October, we're going to have another one of these scares. And maybe that will represent the end hopefully. Um, so one of the question is, why did we skip from uh, mu uh, to Omicron? Maybe you heard it already in the news, but it's kind of funny because in the letters that I told you that we might have to learn all the way up until omega, the alphabet of the Greek, um, they skip two letters. One of them is nu because they're the who that actually assigned these letters uh, decided that it would be very confusing if people are going to say, uh, do you think he has the new variant? What new variant? Is there a new variant? No, no, no. I'm talking about the new variant, N-U, N-U. So to avoid this, because new sounds like new in English, they skipped that one. The next one they skipped is X-A-I. And Xi in um, ancient Greek is uh, X and I. And, you know, Everybody knows that the premier of Chinese, Chinese premier is called Xi Jinping and you call it and you name it like that. So I guess before there is any kind of backlash from the prime minister of China saying, why is there a variant named after me? They decided to skip that letter and we'll see what happens when Pi, because Pi is everything, Uh, Pi is the mouth and the virus goes through uh, the mouth. So it will be very interesting when we get to Pi, which is the next uh, letter, or maybe Pi will be the one that will block it. I don't know. Pi in Hebrew is the tower, uh, the tower being destroyed. Maybe when we do have uh, the letter Pi circling around in our body and around, maybe there will be some major destruction of a tower, destruction of false philosophy, or something that even has to do with uh, destructions of certain governments and so forth. And the tower is the way to get out of the devil. So it might mean that we're going to have to have another variant before we can get out of this variant. But it does make sense because probably variants themselves have wars and they have to overcome each other. So that was... um, Our little um, talk about that. And one last thing is the eclipse. So we have the eclipse on December 3rd and 4th. It depends where you are in the world. The Sabian symbol for the eclipse is a widow's past brought into light. Um, That's kind of interesting, you know, because a widow, maybe somebody killed her husband. Maybe he uh, not really dead—but But there is something that comes up uh, into the light. I mean, widow doesn't sound very good. Somebody who lost her love. Um, something from her past is brought into light. Maybe some revelation is happening about a politician or about something that is uh, going out there. So pay attention. That's going to be on 12 degrees uh, Sagittarius. We always pay attention to the degree number because it also means something. And the degree of the sun when it actually is happening is 12 degrees um, Sagittarius. Of course, 12 is the apostles or the tribes or the zodiac, uh. uh Clubs, so zodiac signs. So that's kind of um, an interesting uh, coincidence. And at the same time, we're going to have a conjunction of Venus and Pluto. So there's going to be a lot of realization for you guys about what you want and what you don't want in relationships. Um, The moon is also going to create a square to Minerva. So that, again, agitates a little bit, uh, especially around justice, law. I think here in the United States, they're going to be deliberating about uh, abortion rights. Maybe that's something that's going to happen around that time. But again, eclipses are um, moments when things are moving much faster. Because it is a new moon in Sagittarius, I really recommend that you do as much as you can To begin something new that has to do with publishing, writing, truth, teaching, learning, education, uh, bringing light to people, bringing light to your life, all of that uh, is really good. Or if it's not connected to it, it doesn't matter. We don't have that many um, retrogrades right now. Just Chiron is retrograde, which is, and Uranus, sorry. So it's really rare that we don't have any retrogrades. So this is a great time to push something, to start something new. So that will be a, a good time to do that. Now let's see, let's see what is happening uh, this week. I think this is the animated page. Yeah, so this week, this week we're starting in November 28th. It's a Sunday. Today the moon is in Virgo. It's squaring the sun. If I agitated you or made you angry, it totally makes sense. Uh, it's in general, the moon and the sun are a little bit at odd right now. So there could be a little bit of lack of satisfaction or a little bit more down energy. That being said, the moon is doing a great job to connect us to Uranus, which is uh, unpredictable things, uh, innovation, startups, anything that has to do with great ideas. And uh, she's doing a great square with a great trine with Venus and Pluto which is actually very positive. So the moon in Virgo today, tomorrow, is very good for work. It cleanses. It's very good for um, getting rid of things. It's good for service. It's good for work. It's good for discipline, diets, health, especially when she's sending such a beautiful energy to Venus and Pluto. So overall, besides the fact that she's opposite to Neptune, the moon is doing great today. Um, What it is doing also is creating that opposition to Neptune. And opposition to Neptune is interesting because in one sense it means that you're very intuitive, very psychic, very aware of things before they happen, very much uh, focused on imagination. The only thing is it's a little bit of lack of boundaries, a little bit of uh, relapsing into old patterns, but the moon is pretty solid today and tomorrow. She's sending good energies to Venus and to Pluto. So again, any transformative art or transformative conversation with relationship can actually happen today. So if you're needing to clarify something to uh, get some compromise with a partner, especially around work, this could really be. Uh, helpful today. Tomorrow the moon is moving into Libra, the moon of peace. It's the two of swords and she's sending beautiful energy to the sun, beautiful energy to Mercury, great energy to the south node and the north node. So it's actually the moon is doing very, very well. She's a little bit opposite to uh, Chiron. It could bring old wounds from family or from Mother figures or women that are in your life that you might notice that they're wounded by you or they might wound you or they're just in general feeling a little bit more down so you can help them. But the moon in Libra talks usually about a spiritual decision you're making that can have long Ramifications for the future. So you might have to make some kind of judgment or some kind of decision tomorrow, the day after, and Tuesday that can have very strong bearing towards the future. But the moon is still sending really good energy to Saturn. So it could be that tomorrow you have more clarity about your emotions, more clarity about projects that involve real estate, home, family. And the fact that the moon is sending such great energy to the north and the south node really helps us karmically. It means that there is a lot of wisdom coming to you from past lives, either through people you know from that past life or um, skills that you might retrieve. The moon continues on Tuesday to be in Libra. Again, favors relationship, partnership, art, design, balancing, um, even just feeling balanced financially or balanced emotionally or balanced physically, especially because the moon still continues to send good energy to Saturn and, of course, to Jupiter, which is also in Aquarius. And Jupiter and the moon sending good energy to each other is making us feel more calm, more relaxed. So there's something more relaxed about Tuesday more chilled in a sense, Uh, the planets are actually showing pretty good energy. At that day, we don't have any opposition, meaning that um, you're not feeling opposition from outside of you. Maybe you're going to feel opposition from inside of you, but outside it looks more calm. On um, uh, December 1st, the moon is shifting into Scorpio. It changes the energy a little bit because um when the moon is in Scorpio, it's fallen, meaning that it's not flowing the easiest. So there's more uh, issues with your uh, emotions, how you see things. People get a little bit more defeative at that time. People uh, don't believe that they can succeed. So there's a little bit less confidence going on. And the moon is about to square Venus, especially in December 2nd, which is a little bit difficult in relationship, especially relationship between women and other women or mothers and daughters in a sense. Um Mars is actually pretty quiet. He is going to send a square to um, Jupiter coming up, not this week, but the week after. So the week after, you have to be careful not to overdo or not to stress yourself too much or be careful from injuries and stuff like that. That's more next week. But this week on Wednesday, just pay attention to the moon being in Scorpio. It's very sexy. It's very much about passion. So you might discover some new passions or you might... Um, um, Connect to somebody on a very intimate level. Maybe you're going to be asked to let go of something. It's a great time to get rid of things that are not uh, good for you. And on December 2nd, uh, we're actually continuing that journey of the moon. The only thing is that the moon is sending great energy to Neptune. So Thursday and Friday are going to be very psychic days, days that you're going to get a lot of intuition. Pay attention to your dreams. Um, There might be a little bit of nightmares on Friday, but Thursday should actually go pretty well. The only thing about Thursday is that the moon is opposite to Uranus. There could be unpredictable issues emotionally or unpredictably. um, You might be reactive or you might jump uh, at people. It's almost as if the werewolf in you is coming very strongly. And then on Friday and Saturday, we're having the official uh, eclipse. And you can see the moon is moving into Sagittarius. We are in Sagittarius. The South Node is in Sagittarius. It's the last eclipse that we have in Gemini and Sagittarius or in Sagittarius in general. So for the next 19 years. So there's going to be whatever lesson we still have to learn with Sagittarius, which is truth, philosophy, mass media, teaching, learning. We're going to have to uh, push it in December 3rd and 4th. So big lessons are coming to all of us Friday, Saturday coming up. And again, the eclipse overall is getting good energy from Chiron, which means a lot of healing that is done around that time. Um, and overall, there is no opposition to the eclipse, which is great. The only thing that is squaring it a little bit is um, Minerva. But that's okay because it's not really uh, as dominant. And if we look at uh, December 4th, which is a Saturday, we have the moon on top of Mercury, a lot of knowledge coming to you, a lot of uh, download of information, ideas. Concepts. It's actually a pretty interesting um, uh, weekend in that sense because uh, December four and five we have a lot of wisdom downloading. So there's a lot of excitement there. Let's see if there are any questions that I can um, look into. Variant will take three months. Yeah, they think that the new variant will, that if there needs to be a new vaccine, it will take a hundred days or so. I think that Moderna talked about the beginning of 2022 or the first part of 2022. And of course the stock market, I mean, the stocks of Moderna and uh, uh, Pfizer. Now you know the drill. The minute somebody talks about a new variant, immediately get a lot of uh, uh, Moderna and Pfizer stocks. Don't get Johnson & Johnson, it went down. And then um, you will be rich, sick and rich. (laughs) <laughs> That's what, uh, it's a one of the other. Um, that is uh we, there is cracking again? I, I didn't know that they were cracking. I'm sorry. I thought it was uh, crackless this time. But um is there anything to avoid doing on Saturday and the new moon? You know, I don't think that um um you have to avoid anything. It's less about avoiding. It's more about doing more of, you know? So it's not like avoid cursing. No, you don't have to avoid curs- cursing. Just do more blessing, you know? Uh, the same thing, I think, with uh, the, the... I don't think there is anything you need to avoid. Uh, I think you just need to um, make sure that you're adding things because the new moon is about adding. It's about pushing forward, um, not about... Avoiding. the Full moon, you can see, is more about avoiding, but not now. And especially because we're not only have a a new moon, but we're also in Hanukkah, at least lighting up more candles, more candles, more candles. I think it's going to be on the six or seven candle day eclipse. So it's interesting because the whole of next year will be about six. So just a reminder, tomorrow, the 22nd, is it? No, sorry, the 29th. Uh, I'm going to do a class about uh, 2022. It's the first class we're doing on 2022. And then on December 3rd on the Eclipse, I'm doing another class on 2022. So you can choose which one uh, works for you better. And if you are in Turkey or Bulgaria or London or Israel or Greece, uh, you can uh, email me. We can arrange for a reading or for, uh, I'm going to do a lot of workshops there. If the Omicron is going to allow me to do that. So thanks a lot and um, um, have a wonderful, wonderful continuation of Sagittarius, the fear destroyer. And um, thanks a lot for signing in without me having to send you. You can't even believe how difficult it is to sit there for hours and kind of like nine after nine people, nine people at a time. It was terrible. So thanks a lot for getting the, the message. And um, a, again, Thank you for those guys who put a review on the Amazon. If if you got the book and if you uh, can give a review, that's always helpful over Amazon. Thanks a lot. And um, good luck. You were able without the password. That's even better. Thanks a lot and have a great week.